All right, so uh, yeah, as Kyler said, my name is, my name is David Livingston. Um, so my, my story of like following Jesus is kind of fun because I've, I've bounced around the Salt Network a fair bit. I actually came to know Jesus sitting in a salt company like this, but in Ames, Iowa, to where I found Jesus uh, at a salt company. It was actually the first salt company before like any of these other churches were planted, before Veritas Iowa City was planted, before Veritas Iowa City planted Veritas Cedar Rapids. I came to know Jesus there, and I was on staff there for a while, and I actually led Salt Company down in Iowa City for a number of years. And so, yeah, we moved to Madison with this kind of vision to start a new church. And so, yeah, like Kyler said, if any of you are, like, even just thinking at all about, like, hey, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to move afterwards and just want to hear more or even just want to get to know me, like, I would love to meet you. And even if you are like, I am Cedar Rapids for life, let's go, and you just want to get to know me, I would love to get to know your name. Um, and so all you have to do is come up to me and say, hi, and I will do all the rest. I'll ask you all the questions, okay, because I really want to get to know you. Um, it's so funny. I, this is not part of my sermon. Uh, this, I just wrote this. Is Nils was giving the story of the grill. And I was laughing so hard. Where, where are you at? Are you in the back? Dude, literally exact same thing. Exactly the same. I, I bought a pizza oven this week that I was like, this is going to be incredible. It's going to blow everyone's mind. I'm going to get this thing. And it's going to like, I'm going to be able to put these like Neapolitan style pizzas. My wife was born in Italy. And I'm like, this is going to be incredible. And it was an utter disaster because I didn't buy anything else. I was like, I'm just gonna get the oven. And so I was trying to put the pizzas in with this like piece of metal and you actually need like a real pizza peel. And anyway, I had people over and it was literally like horrifying. Like the pizzas were catching on fire because I couldn't get them in the oven. It's like a thousand degrees in there. And I was just like, this is going so wrong. And I was laughing so hard because I was like, that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, this is gonna make my life better. And then it made my life worse exponentially, <laughs> okay? So... That's not even my intro. I just was like, I cannot believe that that happened to you too. So anyway, I don't know. It's like a weird grill, grill week for people. But okay, we're talking about the Lord's Prayer tonight. And I love that you guys are doing this. Um, this is not actually a, a series that like most people go through to just like sit and, and talk about prayer like this. And uh, I think it's amazing because if you, as you're figuring out, do I want to follow Jesus or I am a follower of Jesus and I'm trying to figure out what does it look like to follow him? Learning to pray from the master of prayer, Jesus himself, will be one of the things that will be the most helpful for you as you navigate life. And so even if you're just kind of coming in and you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what this whole Christianity thing is about, I actually think this is a really cool night for you to be here because Jesus wants to teach you what it is like to talk to God. And that's a really weighty thing to get to talk about tonight. There's actually two places where Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer. One is Matthew 6. Okay, so open up your Bible if you have it. We're just going to look at one line in this. And the other is in Luke 11. Okay, so as you're turning to Matthew 6, stay there. But Luke 11 is really interesting because there's two different places where Jesus talks about his, his like, prayer for his disciples to model their prayer lives after. And in Luke 11, it's interesting because, once again, Jesus is kind of going off alone to pray. And, and he does this, right? If you've read the Bible, you see Jesus doing this all the time. He's always leaving the crowds, going off at night and in the morning, and he's just spending time praying. The dude does it all the time. One of these times, he comes back, and his disciples finally corner him. They're like, okay, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And you have to understand, for the disciples to do this, that's like a really humbling thing to do. Because these are like grown Jewish men. They're like very religious. They've been praying prayers their whole lives. They have like most of the book of Psalms memorized. Like they have prayers. 
but they're asking Jesus how to pray. And the reason they're asking Jesus how to pray is not because they needed new words or they needed kind of like a, a new thing they could repeat. The reason they're asking Jesus how to pray is because after spending a few months with this man, and watching the way he talks to God, watching the way he relates to God, watching the way he stays up all night and talks to his Father in heaven, and the way he wakes up early in the morning and goes away from everyone to spend time with God, they began to realize, even though we've been saying words our whole lives, we don't know anything about prayer. But you do. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Because what you do is different. And no one prays like you do. And so what Jesus does is he responds to this request by giving them a prayer, right? It's in Luke 11, it's in Matthew 6, and, and it's just our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And tonight we're talking about this line, give us this day our daily bread. And you have to think if you're a disciple, like when Jesus starts to do this, you're like, no, 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 Jesus, like we already have prayers, <laughs> We have them. We have the whole book of Psalms. Like, we have prayers that we've memorized. That's not the problem. What we're talking about is you have a different relationship with God we don't have. You say the same words, but it's different for you. There's something in you internally that's, like, different, and that's what we're talking about. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus, he knows this, but he responds by giving them words to say, a prayer to walk through. And tonight is this line, give us this day our daily bread. And what I think is true is that Jesus isn't kind of messing with his followers, but what Jesus is doing is he's giving them a prayer that as they pray it, as they meditate on its words and pray its ideas, as they come to God in the unique ways that he's training them to do, this prayer actually begins to shape us into the kind of people who know how to pray. Because what the Lord's Prayer does, and I think this section in particular is it teaches us how to live life as God's children, and it shapes our hearts to be the kind of people who actually know how to talk to our dad. And so I wanna, I wanna jump right in, okay? Give us this day our daily bread. Um, if you were paying attention to the beginning of Matthew 6, there's something confusing here, okay? At least for me. Like, there, there's something that kind of right away should just kind of confuse us. Um, because Jesus is telling us to tell God who knows everything, to give us bread. God created us, right? God knows we need food. So this is like a very strange thing to do, to tell God to give us the thing that he knows that we need. And to make it even more confusing, more strange, verse eight, look back at verse eight and verse six. He's explaining to them how not to pray and he's saying, your father in heaven actually knows what you need before you even ask him. So that's strange, okay? So it's like your father knows what you need and then he's telling you to ask him to give you the thing you need. So what does this mean? Well, it means that this prayer is less about us informing God of what we need and it's more about shaping us to be deeply dependent people. Okay, now listen, prayer does change the world and prayer actually does things in the world when we pray. God responds, he hears our prayer and actually sometimes he acts in the world and it's amazing, but the invitation is not to tell God about our needs and desires. It's not to inform him of something he doesn't know, but it's more about entering into an intimate relationship with God as our provider. And as we do this, it actually begins to shape our hearts to look more like his children. That's what this part of the prayer is about. 
And this is what I'll, I'll just say. As someone who, um, my guess is I'm really like you and that prayer is hard for me. It's like always been hard. Like it's, it's never been something that I've just like picked up and ran with and felt like super satisfied with. Prayer is something that's hard for me. And so as someone who's consistently coming to Jesus and just trying to learn how to pray, this section of scripture has actually helped me a ton. And so all I want to do is just show you three things that I've kind of learned as I've tried to pray this. I've tried to learn how to follow Jesus in prayer that have shaped me. So it's just a prayer of dependence, a prayer of hunger, and a prayer of satisfaction. Here's the first one, okay? A prayer of dependence. And I'll show you what I mean. One of the first things that this prayer does is in the first word, right? The first word, give. What it's doing is it's actually recognizing God as the giver, okay? Now, I know as you're hearing that, you're like, right, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Like, that's like very 101, very obvious. But I think it's actually really important because if you go to the world, the world will tell you that if you want something, you have to find it, you have to build it, you have to earn it, you have to take it, but God's children have a totally different way of getting the things that they need. They ask their dad for it. That is so unbelievably different. And he's gonna talk about bread, right? It's this physical thing, because we're not just souls, we're body and soul. And there can be this idea in Christianity or even just like in religion that it's like, okay, I have like this ability to provide for my physical needs, like I've got a job, I've got a, you know, you're getting your major somewhere, you're, you're like, you're working towards like some kind of college degree and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get this thing that's gonna provide for my physical needs, but only God can provide for my spiritual needs, right? But one of the things this prayer is doing is it's actually saying, no, actually God is the provider of all our needs. Even things like bread, the thing you put in your mouth to eat, God is actually the one who gives you that. So what he's trying to teach us is that there are not some needs that are worth praying about and some needs that are not worth praying about. What he's actually saying is he's saying, no, no matter how small or insignificant the hunger you feel might be, you should bring that to God because he actually cares about it, because he cares about you. And praying this is actually a really powerful practice. Like to just to actually do this, to like wake up in the morning get on your knees, put your face to the ground, and to ask God to give you the things you need that day. This trains us to be dependent on God in a really powerful way. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not an earner. You're not a taker. You're not a builder. But at the most basic level, you are God's child, and he is your father. And he is the great giver of all good things. And if you notice as you're, I don't know how much you've like thought about the Lord's Prayer. I've been thinking about it for years because it fascinates me. But this is the only section in the Lord's Prayer that has like a timeline to it. Did you notice that, right? Like the first couple of weeks, it's just like, okay, like our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. And then it continues on, like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then all of a sudden it gets specific. He's like, give us today our daily bread. It's a, he's saying, this is meant to be a daily thing. Not like this whole prayer is meant to be daily, but this specific thing, like you pray this every day. And if, it's, if you're like me, this is what's true, right? We normally come to God in prayer when we really need something, right? Sometimes like we don't pray at all. And then you have like the test coming up that you haven't studied for. And all of a sudden you're like, I am going to kill it in prayer this week, right? And you're like praying to God. You're like, God, you know me. We go back a long way. Like I need you to show up for me right now, right? And we have this thing, right, where it's like if you feel need, 
you come to God, but one of the things that Jesus is trying to teach us to do is you actually come to God in prayer as your provider, even if you don't feel scarcity. Because your relationship with God doesn't change just because you feel differently day to day. And that means your prayer life shouldn't change that much either. You should actually pray to God and treat him as though you need him to give you the very basic things for life itself every day. Because whether you feel it or not, you need him to give you those things. And so this prayer kind of helps us shift away from this self-dependence, this self-sufficiency, and it actually starts to shape us into dependent people. Just because my fridge is full of food, it doesn't mean I don't need to pray that God will provide for my physical needs today, right? Because God's the one who keeps your roommates from stealing your food, am I right? Like God does that, and he's the one who keeps you from getting sick, and he's the one who actually provides for you at every single step of your life. This is the kind of prayer that when you pray, God actually loves to answer because these kind of dependent people are the people God loves to use. It's the kind of person who wakes up every day and believes at the core of their heart that if God does not provide for them today, they are lost. That if God doesn't show up, they will fail. That if God isn't real and active and upholds your life today, then you cannot stand. The reason that Jesus gives this prayer to his followers is because that kind of person that weak, dependent kind of person is actually the person Jesus uses to change the world. You know, Hudson Taylor, he is this kind of amazing historic figure in Christianity. He was a missionary to China. He did so much stuff. I'm not going to get into it, but he's an amazing man. And when he's answering the question, who are the people God uses to change the world? He would say this, it's not strong people. It's not industrious. It's not self-sufficient. It's not powerful, he would say, here are the people God uses to change the world. He says, God uses men and women who are weak and feeble enough to actually lean on him. That's who God uses. And so God teaches us, he says, this day our daily bread, this is meant to be a daily pattern of prayer. And this line, it actually comes from the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys remember the story. Who, who's like familiar with like the Torah. <laughs> a couple of people are like, I think maybe. Is that the beginning five books? I don't know. Okay, there's this story in the Old Testament, right, where God's people, he's leading them to the promised land, but you have to go through the wilderness, the desert. And they're stuck there because of their own failure and their own sin, but God uses it to train his people. And there's this moment, right, where he starts to rain down bread from heaven, this daily bread manna. You guys remember this stuff? right? Like, they're like, they're super hungry. They're in a wilderness. There's no food to eat. And God's like, I'm going to do this every day for you. I'm going to make pancakes all over the ground. I'm going to rain some like bread dust and some dew, and you're going to mix it up, and it's going to be like pancakes everywhere. And Jesus does that every single day. But there's this rule he has. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. Every single morning, you're going to go out, and you're going to gather enough food for yourself for that day, but you're not allowed to take enough for tomorrow, only for one day. And if you take two days worth, the next day is going to spoil, right? And so that's what's going to happen. And there's this really interesting thing because you'd wonder, like, why is God doing that? Why not just rain down this stuff, like, once a week, let them kind of gather this stuff and have, like, weekly bread? Why is it daily? The reason is because what he's trying to do is he's actually trying to train them to be the kind of people who don't depend on him for a moment and then live in their own strength through the rest of the week. 
but he's trying to help depend them and cause them to be the kind of dependent people who actually every single day they wake up hungry and they go, where is the God who will satisfy me? And every single morning God goes, I'm that God, here is food. 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 And so what he's doing is he's trying to actually train them to understand that he is not a provider in the abstract, but he is their provider. He is their sustainer. And he actually tells them why he does this. Because he says that actually when you get into this land, this promised land, it's like this place you know, flowing with milk and honey, right? That's what they say. He goes, when you get into this land, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you so much more than you need. And if you've not learned to be dependent, weak people who lean on me in the good and the bad, in the wilderness and in the garden, then abundance and plenty will not actually be a blessing to you, but it will be a curse. Because in your abundance and in the blessing, you will actually forget about me. And that's actually exactly what happened. That's like the whole story of the Old Testament is God's people never learned to be weak and dependent enough to actually cling to God daily. And so they wandered from him. And so one of the things Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, in your prayer life, you may not feel like you were in a desert today. You may not feel that thirsty, but you need to pray every single day like you are in one because whether you feel it or not, your life is in God's hands. He is the giver of all things. And without his provision, you have nothing. He is provider, protector, sustainer, giver of all good gifts. And you may not feel needy today, but Jesus is trying to teach you to pray every single day as though you are. And slowly over time, what happens is you pray this way. As you come into the presence of God and you take this posture of dependence, you will actually begin to feel more needy. I've watched this happen in my own life. The more you pray this from your heart, the more your heart is actually gonna be shaped by this prayer. And you'll actually begin to feel weak. You'll actually begin to feel desperate. You'll actually begin to feel really needy before God. And in God's kingdom, those are the kind of people God says are strong. And they're the kind of people that change the world because they're the kind of people who are just weak enough to lean on God's power, not their own. Listen, you don't need God to make you strong. You actually really don't need that. What you need is through this relationship with Jesus and this time in prayer, you actually need God to make you weak. Because it's only weak people who actually lean on God. This was Jesus. That was his life. Right? He, he, he wasn't always going away and staying up all night and like waking up early in the morning to pray and be with God because he felt spiritual and religious and powerful. No, he was doing it because he recognized that actually if he didn't have strength from his father God, he was actually not going to make it. He knew he needed the power of God for every single step of his life. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you want to be like me? You want to change the world? You want to have some kind of spiritual power like me? Then do this. Be weak. Be dependent. And get on your knees every morning and pray that God will give you even the most basic things you need for life itself. So it's a prayer of dependence. But one of the other things I've learned as I've prayed this is that it's also a prayer of hunger. 
And here's what I mean by this, right? He says, give us this day our daily bread, right? And it's, it's an interesting thing to pray for bread, especially in our day and age, right? Like we don't, like most of us aren't like, I'm so hungry, I'm just gonna go eat bread. Like I have one friend who does that, his name's Joe Brown. We went on this backpacking trip, we were climbing. And like the whole, like all he brought for a whole like two day climbing trip was a loaf of bread, that's it. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? You're gonna be so famished. And he ended up eating half my food. It was ridiculous. Okay, but anyway, we don't, right? We don't do this, right? We don't normally eat bread. But bread is interesting because it's a kind of example of like a basic human need, right? Especially in this day and age. Like if you had bread, it was like a litmus test of like, are you flourishing or not? Do you have bread or not? But the interesting thing about bread is it's like you don't measure if you have bread by looking in your cupboard, right? You don't do that. You measure if you have bread by feeling what's in your stomach, right? Because your body actually tells you if you don't have bread because it gets pain. You begin to feel hungry. You know you need bread because you feel hungry. And Jesus talked about bread a ton. Um, Jesus did miracles with bread. Like he, he fed like 5,000 people with like a few loaves of bread once. And every time Jesus starts to talk about bread, the reason he talks about bread is because he wants to talk to people about hunger. It's always why. He's like, hey, here's some bread. Now let's talk about hunger. And he always starts talking to hungry people because what hunger is, is this thing in us, this desire, this pain we feel in us that causes us to go out into the world and try to satisfy it. Right? But what Jesus did is he always started talking about hunger and saying, hey, this inclination you have in you, and he'd start talking about their stomach, but he'd always move towards their heart. He always wanted to talk to them about the deep hunger they had inside of them. Not the hunger in their stomach, but the hunger in their heart, the hunger in their soul. And I think one of the things Jesus is doing in this prayer is he's saying we're actually supposed to bring our hunger to God. This isn't just telling us to pray that God would give us food to eat. It's telling us to bring our hunger to him. It's actually one of the main things Jesus says our prayer life is supposed to consist of. And so I want to just ask that question tonight. Like, what are you, what are you hungry for? And some of you are like actually hungry right now. So like, just push that aside. You're like, I actually really want a burger. Like, push that aside. Go deeper, for real. What are, you, what are you hungry for? What's the thing you're really looking for? Because it's interesting, whenever Jesus would start to have a conversation about hunger, he'd actually get really serious. It's like you'd be able to feel like this like, silence kind of sweep over the crowd, and Jesus would like, look people in the eyes and start having this like, really serious conversation with them. And he's saying, no, I'm serious. Like, why are you here? What are you hungry for? What are you really longing for? I'm not talking about your stomach. I'm talking about your heart. What do you desire? What are your hopes? What are your fears? What are your dreams? What is the, the hunger that you don't feel in your stomach, but you feel in your soul? Jesus always talked to crowds of people about this, right? He's saying, what is the hunger inside of you that you can never seem to satisfy? The hunger inside you that doesn't kind of make your stomach have pain, but actually it causes you to lay awake at night and cry in your bed. What is the hunger that hurts so much that you actually pretend it isn't there because you've never been able to satisfy it? 
So you simply try to drown it out with pleasure or fun or constant distraction. Whenever Jesus talks about hunger, he's taking his finger and he's not touching your stomach. He wants to touch you in like the deep, actual painful place of your heart. He's saying that thing in you that hurts so bad that you've stopped talking about it because you can never seem to satisfy it, that deep hunger, that's what I want to talk about. And he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually pray to God about that. Because that thing, that extends down to the very center of who you are. I think what Jesus is doing is he's saying that in prayer, one of the things we're actually supposed to do as followers of Jesus is we're actually supposed to bring the deepest wounds and the deepest pains and the deepest longings in our hearts before him And we're supposed to actually ask God to satisfy those parts of us that we've never been able to satisfy before. My prayer life has changed a lot in the last two years. Um, I won't get into it, but I I had this like kind of moment two years ago where I, my, my son was born, Silas, and there was just a lot of things that were like converging at once, but I just kind of realized like I don't know how to pray and, and over the last two years, a couple of things happened. I started this pattern of praying one psalm each morning. I just like, Psalm 1, pray that. Psalm 2, Psalm 3. But then I tried to start praying the Lord's Prayer every day. And I, and I had this, this new son, Silas, and so I just, I just pray the Lord's Prayer with him, kind of over him every night as he was falling asleep in my arms. And as I started to let the Bible, and I started to let Jesus teach me how to pray, one of the things that I noticed was in moments of kind of felt injustice or, or pain or hunger in my life, what I tended to do in my prayers was I tended to kind of downplay my emotions and just kind of pray my theology. And, and it, it isn't that praying through truths and promises of God is bad. It's actually really good. But in these moments, I was noticing that my, my prayers and my conversation with God was not actually a genuine reflection of what I felt, but it was a, a reflection of what I thought I was supposed to feel. And one of the things that the Bible does in, in, in the Psalms, but also I think Jesus is really doing here, is he's saying like prayer is not primarily a place where you are supposed to tell God your theology, it's supposed to be a time where you actually tell him about your heart. Not to tell him how we think we're supposed to feel, but to just have a really honest and vulnerable conversation with our dad about how we actually feel. And here's, here's why I think this is really important. Because if you don't learn to pray these kind of deeply felt emotions to God, then you won't have the experience of him meeting you in those really deep places. He may meet your needs, but they will be the surface needs of your life. And you'll have this relationship with God where it's like you know God and he's meeting some really real things in your life, but there's still these things deep within you that like still cause you pain that Jesus wants to actually meet. And so when you feel hunger, when you feel thirsty, when you feel scarcity for something, one of the reactions of good Christians is to immediately combat our feelings with truth, right? We talk about this. It's, it's actually like a good thing to do. It's a great inclination. 
And so we, we kind of push some of these things down, right? Like we push these feelings down. We say, no, it's fine. Like I, I know that I don't need a boyfriend or a girlfriend to feel complete. So I'm going to kind of push down these feelings of loneliness and sadness. And I'm going to actually pretend that they aren't there. I am strong after all. I don't need anyone because I have Jesus. And even though this is a good inclination, what can sometimes happen is instead of coming to God hungry and having him satisfy you where you are and meet you where you truly are, we're coming to God pretending we aren't hungry because we believe we're not supposed to be anymore. And I think that one of the things Jesus is trying to teach us in this prayer is he's saying, don't, don't actually suppress that, the feelings in your life, the emotions you feel, but don't let them just rule your life either. He's saying, actually, what you're supposed to do is take those things to the God who exists and is real and is inviting you to talk to him about them. And the reason is because if we don't give a full and complete vent to what we're seeing and feeling in our lives, then I don't really know if we can have a full and complete experience of God meeting our needs. And that's what's supposed to happen in this prayer. This is a prayer of satisfaction. And I would tell you this, I am someone who still feels hungry in my life in so many different ways. But as I've learned to pray this, I'm starting to feel a kind of deep joy resonate in me that actually has been far away for a really long time, even actually after I started following Jesus. Because when you open up those things to God and you talk to him about those and you ask him to meet those, you will start having an experience of God at the core of who you are. Because it's in this place of deep and honest prayer that you meet a God who can actually sympathize with what you feel. Have you ever thought about how, how interesting this part of the prayer is? It's amazing that when God teaches us to pray, he's talking to us about hunger. And Jesus is the only person, he's the only God who could ever teach his people to pray like this because he's the only God who knows what it's like to be hungry himself. And what Jesus tells us is the reason he came into our world of scarcity and hunger was so that in this process of relationship with him, he could actually meet our needs that he could actually become bread for us. This is what Jesus says in John 6. He literally says, I, I, me, Jesus, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. But listen, the way this comes to us, the way this process happens isn't through some immediate change in our lives, but it's through time in a relationship with God that goes to the core of who we are. Because some of you, you're probably in a really interesting place tonight like where you've chosen to follow Jesus. You've actually like put the flag in the ground. You're like, I got baptized with my faith in Jesus. Like I'm his follower. And one of the things that keeps you up at night is because even though you've chosen to follow Jesus, you actually still feel hungry. And sometimes you still feel really sad and really lonely and really empty. And you're trying to figure out if you did something wrong and you're trying to figure out maybe if you aren't even like a real Christian because some of these other people talk like they have joy in every single area of your life and you don't feel that way because you can't seem to find the lasting joy you thought you would find immediately when you started following Jesus. I just want you to know I have felt that so many times in my life. So many times. That even though I have Jesus, I still feel hungry. And even though I know God, and even though I have like an awesome family, like I still feel lonely. 
And I want you to know that those feelings of hunger in your life, they don't expose you as a fraud, but they are the things that now because of Jesus, you can actually bring to God in honesty and vulnerability and let him meet you in those needs. When you live in this world over time, you start to learn that when you cry out, when you're hungry for something, (laughs) because you have a deep desire within you for something, much of the time we find our experience, we live in a world that can't meet those desires. And so over time, what ends up happening is actually these hungers within us, as we cry out to people or the world to meet these things, we find them perpetually unsatisfied. And so what so many of us do is we take these hungers and we push them down and down and down and we bury them. And some of us have forgotten what some of those things even are because we buried them so deep inside of us. One of the things Jesus is doing as he's talking about hunger is he's saying, I want to meet those things in you. And some of those things are so deep inside of you that it will feel less like satisfying a hunger and more like healing your soul. And this is actually a painful process because hunger hurts. But Jesus is inviting us into this in prayer because he came to satisfy it. That's what this part of the prayer is about. When you pray through the first line of the Lord's Prayer, you know, your, your name, it's your glory, it's your kingdom. Once you get through those lines of the prayer, right, you've probably noticed this, that a lot of the things we think we need will be wiped away. And they're like, I don't think I need that anymore. But if you get to this part of the Lord's Prayer and you still feel inside of you things that remain, things you still feel deeply hungry for, prayer is the place where we bring those things before God. And prayer is the place where over time we actually will begin to slowly but surely see God meet these deeper parts of us. God is inviting you into that kind of relationship. So one last thing is just this. Are you you in this world alone? Like are you walking through this life alone or do you have a father in heaven who's actually providing for you? Are you on this treadmill of self-sufficiency this world has put you on of build this, make this, create this, or have you actually become someone who's beginning to experience the freedom of being a child of God? Have you actually taken your burdens and your hurts before God? Do, Do you even know what they are? Or are they buried so deep within you that you've forgotten about them? No matter who you are, what's so awesome about this is you can pray this prayer. You can have this kind of relationship with God. Are you needy? Are you hungry? Good. Because we know a God who provides for the needy and feeds those who are hungry. And we don't have to wonder if he will hear us, but because he is our Father, His ear is trained to the sound of our voice. So talk to him, because he wants to meet you there. Let's pray. Jesus, prayer is such a profound thing. And God, as we all come into this room, God, we, we all come in as hungry people. God, people that are 
we have things inside of us that we can never manage to satisfy in any lasting way. And God, there's things in us that we've never been able to really feel whole. And God, if we're honest, sometimes we feel like we've never actually experienced real home. And Jesus, we know that you came from heaven to earth to satisfy us in these ways. And God, one of the hard things is it's hard to to have a relationship with you, but to still not be home yet. And so Jesus, I pray, I ask you that you would teach us how to pray. God, that as we come before you on our knees, whether it's in our groups or alone, that you would teach us how to talk with you in a way that heals us to the very depth of who we are. And God, if there's people in the room tonight who have felt their whole life like they have yelled out into space and just heard their voice echo, but have never felt like you've ever heard them or ever listened, God, tonight, would you let them know that you are real and that you care about them and that you want to actually meet their needs? Teach us how to pray, Lord. And would you help us worship you tonight in your name?